Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. Welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. And your other co-host, Donnie Cage. Ah, Mr. Cage, how's it going, sir? Feeling great. It's a, it's a little gloomy, a little rainy today in Philly, but I'm in a great mood, Kentucky Guy. Well, that is fantastic. Hey, folks, for our regular tune-in tune in audience, uh, I guess I can say it that way, audience that normally listens to our episodes, if you've noticed that we did not do an episode on Tuesday, uh, that is completely my fault. I got a catch of the bug or something and just wasn't able to do it. Uh, however, as always, we're back on track and ready to go. There's so much going on in the wrestling world right now with WrestleMania coming. If this is your first time listening to us, though, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button no matter which platform you're listening to us on. We are on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify. Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, Podbean, and the list goes on. Also, Mr. Cage does have another podcast that he co-hosts and creator of Uncaged Voice. Go ahead and tell him about that, sir. If you are interested in hearing about uh, entertainment news, gaming, a little bit of wrestling, and a bunch of other uh, random stuff, then check out the Uncaged Voice podcast on YouTube. You will hear myself, Jigsaw Jester, and top-tier rated talk about a variety of topics. In fact, our next episode, which drops this weekend, uh, recaps the recent Chris Rock Netflix special, and we also talk a little bit about toxic relationships in both our personal and uh, business lives. Very, very good. Also, if you're into politics or current news, I do host the Red Pill Current News Podcast. We do drop two episodes there every single week. Of course, this week, due to illness, uh, only one episode has dropped thus far. However, if you like like to stay up with the times and also hear some different background interviews with people who have been either authors, entrepreneurs, mediums, holistic healers, the list goes on. Be sure to tune in on one of the episodes. Also right here, we do drop two episodes a week every Tuesday and Saturday here on Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. Also, down below are the links to all of our social media, along with the merch shop. And also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show or want to shout out or have a question for Donnie or myself, you can always email us at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. That's olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. All right, so as every episode, we will start off with my fantasy booking. Basically, what this is, this segment is 
Donnie picks a wrestler. I pick a wrestler, either present, past, what have you, maybe retired, may not even be in this world anymore, and basically tell a story of if we were ahead of a promotion that that wrestler was in where they didn't reach their full potential, how we would have done things different and booked them different. So as always, Mr. Cage, I'll let you start us off, sir. Thank you, Kentucky guy. Well, my fantasy booking for this week is a, a very famous wrestler who actually predates my time as a wrestling fan because I didn't get into wrestling until around 1991-92. And this wrestler's uh, career only went until 1988. And I'll actually get into that in just a second why he uh, only wrestled until 1988. But this uh, week's pick is going to be Mr. Frank Donald Goodish. You might be wondering who Frank Donald Goodish is. Well, he was known by the ring names Red River Jack, the Masked Marauder, but most famously he was known as King Kong Brody and, of course, Bruiser Brody. Brody has become synonymous with the hardcore wrestling brawling style that often saw one or more participants bleeding by the time the match was over. In his prime, he worked as a special attraction wrestler in North America, appearing with promotions such as World Class Championship Wrestling, Worldwide Wrestling Federation, which was the WWE, WWF's previous name, Central States Wrestling, Championship Wrestling from Florida, and the American Wrestling Association. He also competed famously for All Japan Pro Wrestling. Well, Bruiser Brody was known as one of the toughest individuals in the business. He was very protective of his in-ring image, hardly ever agreeing to lose matches, and building a reputation of being volatile. He would on occasion even intentionally hit or hurt his opponents during a match, contrary to the predetermined nature of professional wrestling. However, his in-ring work and wrestling persona earned him an induction in the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, the St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame, the Southern Wrestling Hall of Fame, Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame, and the WWE Hall of Fame. Bruiser Brody infamously and very tragically died in 1988 from stab wounds that he suffered backstage in a shower during a wrestling event in Puerto Rico. The accused killer was Jose Gonzalez, who wrestled under the name Invader One. Gonzalez was actually acquitted of the murder, ruling that, uh, that he killed Brody in self-defense, although key witnesses who were there at the time seemed to uh, question whether this was really self-defense or not. But this is considered one of the greatest tragedies in wrestling history because despite his reputation as a tough guy and someone who took liberties in the ring, Bruiser Brody was well-liked by his peers and was really respected outside the ring. And in terms of the fantasy booking, obviously we have to take into account that he is no longer with us. He you know, tragically died in 1988. But one thing that always really surprised me is that during the wrestling boom of the mid to late 1980s. I was shocked that the World Wrestling Federation didn't reach out to this guy again for a high-profile feud with Hulk Hogan. You think of all the wrestlers that Hulk Hogan wrestled during his, his historic reign as WWF champion at that time. I mean, he feuded with the likes of Roddy Piper, Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, Big John Studd, Paul Orndorff, you name them. Bruiser Brody obviously wasn't the type of wrestler that liked to get locked down to a long-term contract, but even if Vince McMahon could have just brought him in for a few months to feud with Hogan, 
picture the amount of money that the WWF would have made from this. Because Bruiser Brody was already really known within the wrestling community, had fans all over the world. This would have been a big-time feud between him and Hogan. And it's one of those what-if scenarios. Why didn't they try to pursue it? Maybe they did, and we, we've just never heard about the behind-the-scenes story. Um, but that would have been a, a great feud, in my opinion. And the WWF could have made a ton of money. And, you know, it's just it's one of those what-if scenarios, unfortunately. So uh, your thoughts, Kentucky guy? Yeah, so Bruiser Brody was before my time as well. However, the, the one great thing about it is that he there is enough video of him where I have been able to see some of his matches. Uh, they're not excellent quality or what have you, but you can definitely see what type of wrestler he was. He was hardcore before hardcore was cool. And, I mean, he had the big, the big hair. I mean, he looked like a beast. And he, he, I always, I always, he reminded me, I think there, there was a wrestler that I grew up watching with world championship wrestling called Buzz Sawyer and Buzz Sawyer wore these boots. And I was like, man, you know, that really, that makes him distinct from everybody else. Well, the first time I seen Bruiser Brody, guess what? He was wearing those same kind of boots that had like fur and that all over them. Uh, you would you would think there were like Alaska boots, like for the cold. But anyways, he was really he was really something else, and he looked the part too. He, uh, I watched him throw people into cages, through cages. I watched him in a dog collar match. I can't remember who. I think he was wrestling the uh, junkyard dog in that match. It, it was it was crazy, and that was back when there was no holds bar. Blood was everywhere. And I watched a match, believe it or not, between him and the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. And Dusty Rhodes was kind of like Ric Flair back in the day. He could bleed better than anyone else. He just, I don't know what it was, but maybe where he had that white hair, like Ric Flair something, he had a crimson mask all through this match, and it did not slow down Bruiser Brody. So, yeah, I think it's a good pick. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, that the WWE lost that opportunity with Hulk Hogan. I mean, even if you would have let him go against Hogan, Hogan retained the belt, you would have still, like you said, made a bunch of money off that match. But then, just think about the opportunities you had after that. You had Randy Macho Man Savage back then, King Kong Bundy, Andre the Giant, so many people that he could have wrestled and would have been starstruck. So, yeah, I think it's blown, blown opportunity all the way around. So, good pick this week. Bruiser Brody, uh, he's still, he, he's already in the history books and he'll be talked about from decades to come. So, uh, let's move on to my fantasy booking for this episode. My fantasy booking is none other than Dion, Dion Chinko Castellelis Torres. Well, that's a mouthful, right? But uh, you will know him as the luchador psychosis. Basically, why I'm talking about psychosis on this episode is because this gentleman was with two different companies who did not know what they had 
or how to use them correctly. And that's WCW and the WWF or WWE. Really, really sad. So Psychosis debuted as El Salvador after being trained by Rey Mysterio Sr. and his brother, Obia. Psychosis signed with World Championship Wrestling in 1996, aligning his name, or that's when he took on the name Psychosis. His debut pitted him against Conan at Clash of Champions. Through the early years, Psychosis would typically face other luchadors, frequently getting a mid-car spot during pay-per-view events. Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis have wrestled in their career over 500 times. That shows you right there what kind of caliber wrestler we're talking about. During the April 19th episode of Nitro, Psychosis defeated Blitzkrieg, Juventud Guerrero, and Rey Mysterio Jr. in a four-way bout to win the WCW World Cruiserweight Championship for the first time. This reign, however, was short-lived as he lost to Rey Mysterio Jr. one week later. He had a second cruiserweight title reign in WCW shortly after he took his mask off for the company. That's right. Today, he still wrestles without a mask right up until the end. He had a second, uh, when the previous champion, Lenny Lane, Lenny Lane, who portrayed a flamboyant homosexual on television, got WCW in trouble with the GLAAD as a result. Lane was pulled from television, and Psychosis was given the belt to defend. It was just handed to him. The WCW announcers claimed that he had won it at a house show. However, on his first televised appearance with the title, Psychosis lost it to Disco Inferno. This earned him a distinction of losing two titles that he never truly won. And it's just, it's a shame how they've treated this gentleman. So. Let me just go over how other promotions real quick treated him. By the way, when I say WWE and WWF mistreated him, they never offered him a contract. They never offered this guy a contract. Ever. It, it, it's ridiculous. He came there for ECW, the one-night stand, and they talked to him. He stuck around for a little bit, and they had him join this faction called Mexico Cool, with Hovitu Guerrero, which was just stupid. It was destined, he wasn't there a year. But there are other wrestling organizations back then that I'm glad could see the potential and the star that this gentleman was. In the Canadian Wrestling Elite, he was a tag team cha champion. Uh, Lucha Libre, Triple A, which is still going on today. He was a two-time tag team champion and a one-time Mexican National Welterweight Champion. Also, with the Mexican National Trios Championship, he won it twice in Latin America Wrestling Association. He was a welterweight champion, cruiserweight champion in the WPW, World Wrestling All-Stars. He was the International Cruiserweight Championship twice. In Wrestling Association, the World Wrestling Association, WWA, he was the Junior Light Heavyweight Champion, he was the welterweight champion. He was the world's trio champion. And he was the X-Law extreme heavyweight champion. So no, no doubt he had the talent and he had the fortitude to wear a belt 
He was disgraced in WCW because losing the belts both right after he won them. And then, like I said, Vince McMahon, they did not know what they had with this guy. This guy is still wrestling today. He is a phenomenal wrestler, and he was a, he was a treat to watch. You have to remember something. There were not luchadors on every program like there are now, luchadors-type wrestling. This guy was high-flying back before all this was cool, right when the cruiserweight division officially broke out. To not utilize him, and I understand you got Rey Mysterio Jr. there, but, I mean, their matches are pretty dead even if you watch them. So, I think WCW, one of the reasons, another another block on why they went out of business, and the WWE, man, they must have spent a lot of money over the years because they just continued, in, in my, in, <laughs> in my opinion, they just continued to drop the ball throughout the years. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, when he lost his title the second time, it was against Disco Inferno. What? Anyways, your thoughts, Mr. Gage? I think this was a good pick, Kentucky guy. Um, I always liked Psychosis. Uh, I thought he had a really interesting look when he debuted that set him apart from all the other cruiserweights, even though they all had their own unique masks and uh, costumes that they wore. When he lost his mask eventually, I think that he lost a lot of his appeal at that time. You could say that for pretty much every one of the luchadors that lost their mask at some point, excluding Juventud Guerrera. I think he still, I actually think he got better when he lost his mask. That's just my personal opinion. But Psychosis definitely lost part of his identity when that mask was uh, taken away from him. And because again, he was already, he was always super talented. He was right up there with Rey Mysterio and Kidman and Juventud Guerrera and Ultimo Dragon. Definitely deserved more of a long term cruiserweight title reign and honestly wcw didn't introduce the cruiserweight tag titles i don't know if you remember those but those weren't introduced until the last couple of months of wcw's existence by that point it didn't matter i mean if they had introduced the cruiserweight tag titles maybe in like 1997 98 i think that would have been a great way to get a lot of those guys on the card and you wouldn't just have them either competing in non-title matches or matches for the cruiserweight championship and Psychosis is definitely one of those guys that could have been used better. And yeah, the Mexi Cools thing in WWE was kind of stupid. I know it wasn't meant to be taken seriously, but that's actually the whole point. No one wanted to take a lot of these cruiserweight wrestlers such as Psychosis seriously. And it was a slap in the face to their legacies. Yep, I agree. And you know, here's the thing. Today, right now, WWE and these promotions still do not know how to properly use these guys. WWE actually had a whole show, 205 Live, I believe it was called. Nothing but cruiserweights. And they just kept the one cruiserweight title. They didn't have the tag cruiserweight. They didn't have trios. No way to elevate these guys to the next level or to make them a household name. And I tell you how pathetic that title was. By the time it was over with, Enzo Amore was the cruiserweight champion. <laughs> so that tells you right there how sad it got. Kind of like the AEW Tag Team Championship these days. Okay, so let's get into wrestling news. Before we do that, 
Let's go over Raw results kind of quickly because we have SmackDown results as well. Let's go over Raw results real quick. Austin Theory defeated Montez Ford. Uh, Omos defeated uh, Ali, of course, Mustafa Ali. Dom, uh, Dominic Mysterio defeated Johnny Gargano. That was, of course, by interference. Rhea Ripley defeated Bailey. Ricochet defeated Chad Gable. And Bianca Belair and Asuka teamed together and defeated Chelsea Green and Dewdrop. So I went over those kind of quick. Raw was pretty good. I think uh, one of the best things that I seen on Raw was it is finally became official that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will be facing the Usos at WrestleMania, which is in one week. By the way, our next episode on Tuesday, be sure to tune in. We will be going over our predictions for WrestleMania 39. But the Usos will be defending their undisputed tag team titles against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania 39. It is official now. So finally, we're starting to get some nails down. Uh, we still got some stuff up in the air. We'll talk about it here in a little bit with Bray Wyatt. Uh, some other stuff was nailed down yesterday uh, during SmackDown. I'm glad to see that. But your thoughts on uh, Raw, sir? Any of the matches? They certainly crammed a lot of action into this episode of Raw. I'll give them that. And they definitely featured the people who are gonna who are gonna play the most prominent roles at this year's WrestleMania. I'm, I'm particularly happy to see Rhea Ripley and Omos and Dominic and all of them pick up their victories. And I am glad that they finally made this match official. The tag team title match, the Usos versus KO and Sami Zayn. That's gonna be one of the matches that's gonna steal WrestleMania weekend. No question about it. Um so I'm, so I'm looking forward to it. And like I said, Raw was action-packed. Happy about that. SmackDown was pretty eventful, too, this week, Kentucky guy. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, also, one thing I forgot to mention, uh, Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes came face-to-face on this past Raw. I thought that was pretty cool. That was very interesting. And Roman Reigns actually sent Jey Uso, supposedly, and uh, Jimmy Uso home. Because they pretty much got, uh, how'd he say, to look like a beatdown <laughs> from Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So, yeah, they're building the hype. They're, they're doing things right on a lot of fronts going into WrestleMania. There are still some, I still have some concerns with some of the stuff that, uh, you know, we're running out of time. But I'm sure this Monday we'll get some answers. So... All right, so let's uh, let's move on. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give the next two headlines to you, sir. All right. <clears throat> WWE will induct a referee into the Hall of Fame. The class for this year's WWE Hall of Fame is slowly coming along, as just today, the company confirmed that Andy Kaufman would be honored. He joins the likes of Rey Mysterio and the Great Muda, as previously reported, Dave Batista is not expected to go in this year while the company is planning to induct Stacy Keebler into the class. PW Insider Elite reports that there has been talk of the company honoring a referee for the first time. It's still unclear which referee will be inducted, but multiple sources told them that it's someone the entire industry loved. Since taking over creative from Vince McMahon, Fans have noticed Triple H letting commentators acknowledge the names of referees during broadcasts, 
something which McMahon prohibited when he was handling creative before stepping away following the hush money scandal. So having a referee be inducted into the honorary class may be something that Triple H wanted. So I think it's about time to induct a referee because there are certain referees who were with WWE for a really long time and kind of played key roles in storylines over the years. I mean, I could just name drop uh, Earl and Dave Hebner for uh, uh, two of them. You know, as an example, I know uh, Mike Chioda was a referee that was with WWE for many more for many years. Tim White was with them for many years. Jimmy Corderas. So there's a lot of well-known referees that worked for the WWE over the years that could go into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Hefner, Dave Hefner. Uh, that's the first person that hit my mind. Uh, you also have uh, the guy that come over from WCW, Nick Patrick. A uh, long time. He actually was an NWO uh, referee at one time. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for it. Uh, I think it's a it's a good thing. I I'm I'm glad you cleared that up because when the the way I thought was Andy Kaufman, I was like he wasn't a referee. He was a he actually wrestled <laughs> females and then uh, he actually wrestled and lost bad to uh, Jerry the King Lawler. So all right, so uh, do you want to say something? No, no, no. Right, you have the next headline. WWE star, I use the term star loosely with this one, listed under two different (laughs) names on the roster page. Commander Aziz was brought back to WWE television last month at NXT Vengeance Day under the Daba Kato name when Apollo Crews took on Carmelo Hayes in a two out of three falls match. Trick Williams tried to get involved, but Kato took him out before the finish with Hayes going over. Post-match, though, Cato picked up Cruz and hugged Cruz before laying him out. On last week's NXT broadcast, Daba Cato picked up a win over Cruz in a singles match. WWE's roster page lists both Commander Aziz and Daba Cato, even though it's the same person portraying the characters. It's likely an oversight, as maybe someone forgot to remove the Aziz photo. Man, that would, uh, that would be almost like listing Bray Wyatt and The Fiend as uh, two separate wrestlers. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've never really been, been big on this guy, to be perfectly honest. He's just a, he's just a big, you know, six foot 10, 300 plus pound guy. He really hasn't done anything of true significance other than helping Apollo Cruz win that one match against, uh, Big E at WrestleMania 37. Other than that, I mean, what's this guy really done? He was in those stupid, uh, raw underground segments back during COVID, um, and he just hasn't. I mean, he hasn't done anything for, to me that's really make him made him stood out. No, he's a waste of space. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know why they're writing articles about him. It, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. And Apollo Cruz, yeah, I can take him or leave him too. He's 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 not very high on the radar. NXT has so many superstars right now. I just don't know why they waste their time on on a few. This Carmelo Anthony. Boy, oh boy, once he gets his shot at the NXT championship, which I don't think he'll beat Braun Breaker, but if you know if he does, that's great. Once he gets his shot there, I look for him to hit the main roster fast. Maybe, maybe, just throwing a little rumor spoiler out there that could be true, could not be true. He maybe could be a part of the Hurt Business. I don't know. 
I don't know. Just a friend told me. Who knows? <laughs> All right. So I've got the next headline. Former WWE champion is now a free agent. There's a major name available on the free agent market in October. Oh, geez. He's so old. Why would we? Okay. Sorry. In October, Goldberg stated that his WWE deal expired at the end of 2022. WWE has opted not to use him and he is now free to sign with any company. Goldberg also stated that he wants a retirement match. So he's not done in the ring as of yet. Good Lord. Fightful Select confirmed today that he is no longer under contract and in, in what may or may not be related to the Goldberg news. For what it's worth, there were, there were rumors about Goldberg signing with AEW back in early 2019, but nothing was confirmed. Tony Khan was a big WCW fan, so it would not be out of the realm of possibility to see Goldberg in AEW for a match or two. The last time Goldberg wrestled was against Roman Reigns last February at the Elimination Chamber show in Saudi Arabia, which the match was an absolute snooze fest. I do not know why this guy just cannot go away. Bye-bye. You know, I mean, they let you come in and beat the Almighty because he hit your kid. I mean, just take that as your retirement match and move on. Jeez Almighty. Your thoughts? I got to agree with you, Kentucky guy. We really don't need any more Goldberg matches at this stage. He's already in the Hall of Fame. He had his, um, what I consider to be his, like, farewell tour in WWE already. I I mean, I can't even think, like, who his retirement match would be against, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it would probably have to be in WWE if they absolutely were going to do one. But I, but it's not necessary at this point. This guy has no, no nothing more to prove. Just... Bill, just enjoy your retirement, man. You made tons of money in the business. You were a big name. You've got your Hall of Fame ring. Just you stay out of the ring at this point, man. Your body's all broken up at this point. You could barely do the jackhammer to Bray Wyatt when you wrestled him in 2020. So I don't know what what you're trying to prove to people here. Yeah, it's just, and nobody wants to see it either. Nobody, there's no Goldberg chance anymore. Nobody wants to see it. Everybody's over it. Let's move on. Next headline. This one here is from a different promotion that we normally talk about, but it's definitely newsworthy and needs to be mentioned on this program. Josh Alexander, out of action and definitely new Impact Wrestling World Champion to be crowned at Rebellion Pay-Per-View. The record-setting title run of Josh Alexander is officially over as he will relinquish the Impact Wrestling World Championship due to a triceps tear that will require surgery. Impact has confirmed. Alexander is the longest reigning Impact World Champion in company history with successful title defenses against Moose, Rick Swan, Alex Shelley, Frankie Kazarian, Bully Ray, among others. Josh Alexander currently in Orlando, Florida, where Brad M. Holman, D.O., will be performing a triceps uh, tendon repair later today. This was yesterday. Steve Mallison will replace Josh Alexander to team with Swan and Kazarian tonight at the sold-out sacrifice extravaganza in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. By the way, 
I have not had a chance to catch up on that pay-per-view. So if you know anything about it, Mr. Cage, don't tell me. <laughs> on Sunday, April 16th, at the Rebellion pay-per-view in Toronto, Kushida and Steve Macklin will compete in a match to determine the new Impact Wrestling World Champion. Wow, Kushida. Okay. Uh, we, so we do wish Josh a full and speedy recovery. And everyone at Impact Wrestling, including our loyal fans, can't wait to see him back in the ring, said the Impact Wrestling president, Scott Diamore. So, yeah, so this is this is bad news. Uh, Josh Alexander, for what it's worth, one of the uh, one of the highlights that I've seen at Impact here lately that I was kind of hoping would come over to one of the bigger guys, WWE or AEW, sooner or later. And that still may happen, but... You know, he was on a heck of a run, and bravo to Impact for utilizing a true superstar the right way. Uh, they have not always done that at all. They've, they've usually dropped the ball, but it seems like with uh, Mickey James and uh, Alexander, it, or Josh Alexander, it seems like they finally figured out the recipe, and it's just a shame that his, uh, I know he didn't want his title reign to end on those terms, he wanted it to end on his own terms. And, you know, our heart goes out to his wife and his young son. Uh, I'm, a jo- I'm a Josh Alexander fan, have been even back when he was wrestling in the U.K. But, uh, you know, he'll come out. This is not a career-ending injury, but it just kind of stinks, the timing of it. Uh, your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I mean, we wish Josh Alexander a speedy recovery. Uh, no injury is ever well-timed, especially when it's going to keep you out uh, of action for more than a few weeks. Um, You know, triceps injury like this, I think, takes at least six or seven months to recover from, depending on the person. You know, Josh is obviously young enough. He's going to bounce back and still be uh, and come back better than ever. I agree with you, Kentucky guy. I wish that he would eventually make the move over to one of the bigger promotions like AEW or WWE. But, you know, he just he did just sign, I think, a new contract with Impact. So he's going to be there for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, we wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah, the cool thing about him is his loyalty to Impact because he he had offers from WWE and AEW in an article I read. And uh, I think we might have even talked about it on an, ep- on an episode a while back here. He did have offers, but he felt loyal to Impact and Impact fans. And you don't see that a whole lot, especially in this business. So these days anyway, so... I thought that was pretty cool. All right, sir, you have the next two. Cody Rhodes was quoted as saying, I want to do something very different than what modern WWE championships have, champions have done. Cody Rhodes is less than two weeks away from challenging Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal title at WrestleMania 39. Roman Reigns works a reduced WWE schedule with rare house show appearances and limited appearances on television. He signed a new deal with these stipulations shortly after beating Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 38. While speaking with Stadium Astro, Rhodes was asked what it would mean to him if he became the champion. Rhodes noted that he wants to be a completely different champion and work as many dates as possible. It would mean vindication. I've made a great career out of proving people wrong. I've kind of taken the attitude about proving people right, especially this new audience with WWE that has warmly welcomed me back. A whole new audience that kind of pairs well with the independent audience. 
I was able to bring over and hopefully bring as many folks as I could. They like what they're seeing. It's a vindication for those who have been there every step of the way. Like the song Kingdom says, I'll follow you till the end. When is the end? Is it the end of the I win the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship? Or is it the end when I win that title and then take it every single place I can possibly take it? And excel and deliver on a level that no champion has done in years. I want to cut a schedule like Bret Hart, like Ric Flair. I want to do something very different than what modern champions have done. Rhodes also revealed in this interview that he recently pushed for a match with John Cena. Well, it would definitely be a lot different than what we've seen from the principal title holder in the last few years. Because we all know that when Brock Lesnar held the title, just like when Roman Reigns has it now, they would only defend it sporadically. And to me, you don't have to necessarily have your world champion defend it every single week on Raw or SmackDown. But to me, they should be defending the world title at every premium live event, not just at the big four. Because I understand you want to build up the title, build up the champion, increase its prestige. But I like to see fighting world champions. That's what was done back in the day, whether we're talking about Ric Flair or Harley Race or Randy Savage or Bret Hart or Hulk Hogan. They were defending it every night to sold-out crowds. So I'd like to see a return to that format. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, I would, you know... You go to a live event and you pay this money and live events aren't cheap. They're not. I just went to one not that long ago. And it, I mean, they're not cheap if you want a decent seat and able to see your superstars. You finally get there and that's not something, I mean, I know there's people out there that go to like, been to like hundreds of live events over the years. But for normal people like myself that are, are true fans, but I would say I've only been to maybe five, maybe six, five, I would say, live events in my entire life. So when you go, it's special. And when you go and it's on television and it's a premium live event, then it's even more special. And, of course, you want to see the grandest title of them all defended, even if, it's not your guy wearing that title, but you can root for the underdog, the guy that's going up against him. So, yeah, they, they, that's a no-brainer. That's why I feel they need to split these titles up again. They need to split them up. And if you don't want to have SmackDown on every single Premium Live, you know, or, yeah, Premium Live event, defend it, then have Raw, you know, rotate. And some pay-per-views have both. But, you need to split these titles up because you're going to, I don't care if it's Cody Rhodes, if you continue with Roman Reigns, I don't care who it is. It's getting old. It's going to get old because they're going to miss more and more, more and more televised events because they just, I mean, you're only human. You can only do so much. And I think a lot of times as wrestling fans, we think these guys are superheroes and not, not actually, you know, human beings. And uh, they can just go and go and go. Well, that's not the case. And unfortunately, you know, we've talked about a few of them in our fantasy uh, drafting over the last uh, several episodes. Their body wears out and thus pretty much their career is over. And we don't want to see that, especially with 
uh, superstars that we actually love or love to hate. All right, sir. Yeah, the next one. I got to prepare myself for this one. <clears throat> Steve Austin details why he came out of retirement for WWE. Steve Austin had a successful return at WWE WrestleMania last year when he defeated Kevin Owens. Happened after Owens talked trash about the WWE Hall of Famer, leading to Austin shooting a promo and accepting the offer to appear on the KO show. Coming out of the show, Austin was said to be willing to listen to any proposals at WrestleMania Goes Hollywood in April. While speaking to Justin of the Wrestling Classic, Austin was asked what the process was for him to come out of, out of his retirement after wrestling since 2003 at WrestleMania 19. I got a call from WWE. They said, hey, man, would you like to take part in WrestleMania 38? It was in Dallas, Texas. It was kind of a sentimental thing because I played football right, right outside of Dallas. They presented a storyline or a short angle with Kevin Owens, which I, who I absolutely love, who's golden on the mic and awesome in the ring. Once they said his name, the creative process continued into what it was, and not for it to not be a full-blown match, but a talk segment that turned into what a match it would be. I love Kevin Owens. I was happy to share the ring with them, Austin stated. <coughs> okay, I'm back. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, if you're going to tell a Steve Austin story, you got to be a If you got that Steve voice, Austin man, mindset. if you got the voice, do uh, it. So, um... Yeah, I mean, this was a great novelty for WrestleMania 38. They were in Texas. Why not have Steve Austin do this? Uh, you know, they were setting it up like it was just going to be a segment. But the rumors going into the into WrestleMania 38 weekend were that it was going to turn into an actual match. And the way they executed it was beautiful. He sold well for Owens. Owens sold well for him. It was a great feel-good moment. And then, of course, WrestleMania comes around this year. And they couldn't get The Rock, so they started to say, well, what about Steve Austin versus Roman Reigns or Steve Austin versus Brock Lesnar? And I kind of sat back like, uh, no about that. Uh, and then there were other rumors that they might do Steve Austin versus L.A. Knight at one point. And I'm just like, guys, guys, don't ruin a good thing. It was great to see him one more time lace up the boots and compete in a match. Let's just let's just appreciate it for what it was. We don't have to keep bringing Steve Austin back for another match. If you're him, I know it's hard to turn a lot of money down, especially for a, a big segment like that. But it's not necessary. It's not necessary. Well, at I all. tell you, Steve Austin. One thing I have to say about him that's different from Goldberg, from The Rock, even and John Cena is he's smart when he thinks kind of like we do. He he steps back. And you can hear it if you ever listen to his podcast. And he's very smart. So they offered him all those matches that you're talking about. He turned them down. You know, for one excuse or another, mainly not enough money or this and that. And I think he turned them down because he thinks the same way we do. Hey, you know, I had my run in the sun. You know, he was on WrestleMania both nights. He come back out and stunned Vince McMahon the next night on WrestleMania 38. So... Yeah, I think uh, he's he's always been smart when it comes to business and 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 uh and himself keeping himself in check and relevant. So, yeah, I don't I don't think there's any danger of seeing him at this year's WrestleMania. Uh, I just wish some of the older ones, uh, Goldberg, Rock, would uh take heed and uh, follow his lead. All right, so before we get into the next headlines. Let's go ahead and go over some SmackDown results. Cody Rhodes defeated uh, Kaiser, which is uh, Imperial's Ludwig Kaiser. Uh, he he beat him, even though 
Solo and Paul Heyman came out to do his distraction. Cody did pick up the victory by doing the crossroads. Paul Heyman mentioned a match with Solo. Cody Rhodes, instead of ignoring the match, told Solo he was not ready and that they will be fighting on SmackDown next week. So look forward to that match. Cody Rhodes, I think it's a little crazy, just two nights before going head-to-head with the Tribal Chief, Cody Rhodes versus Solo next on next uh, SmackDown. Then we had L.A. Knight, who actually defeated Rey Mysterio because Dominic Mysterio's interaction and interruption distracted Rey Mysterio, therefore he lost the match. Now, the reason why I wanted to mention this is because Dominic goes over and has his mom in tears, has his mom, his actual mother, in tears, calling Ray a deadbeat dad and what have you, and he tried to fight his little sister, which I thought was crazy. Well, that broke, that was the straw that broke the Mysterio's back. Ray Mysterio come out, come back down the aisle, I should say, punched him, finally. We get Ray Mysterio punching the heck out of Dominic. Punches him, lays him out on the floor, and now it's official. We do have the match. Ray Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio, WrestleMania 39. So once again, there's another one. They put the nail in, and they put the coffin cover over. That's good. We still got some unanswered questions about other ones, but there's another one that's lined up that we thought was going to happen, and it looks like it's going to happen. So your thoughts on those two uh, episodes, segments. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, good to see Cody pick up a win on SmackDown. Um, that's going to be a heck of a test for him on uh, Raw this upcoming week against uh, Solo. Um, and, and then, yeah, that's less than a oh, week oh, away from his Raw? match with Roman. So Raw? we know it's, I think, I think it's on no, Raw. You might be right. I could be might wrong, be right. though. But that's going to be a heck of a test for him. Uh, uh, Solo's going to definitely take him to the limit. And he's going to be uh, beaten down a little bit. Going into that match against Roman, he's not going to be 100%. So maybe that wasn't the smartest move on the part of Cody Rhodes. I'm still confident he can pick up the win, but it's going to be a tough match for him. Um, Man, I I called a Kentucky guy. I said it was going to take the involvement of the rest of the Mysterio family for Ray to finally snap and lay Dominic out. And, And I think what the breaking point was when Dominic got in his mother's face and told her to shut up. Ray just couldn't stands no more and just was like, all right, son, now you disrespected your mother. Now I'm going to have to get involved. It goes back to the old saying, you can do whatever you want to me, but if you disrespect my wife or, or your sister. And that's where Ray kept yelling at him. He goes, that's my wife. My wife you're talking to. So yeah, you're spot on. Uh, then we had uh, Natalia and Shotzi who faced Lacey Evans and... Uh, Lee, we qualify for WrestleMania showcase match. Natalia and Shotzi actually won. Of course they did because Lacey Evans and Lee, they're just there to put everybody else over. Don't know why they were even brought back, but a stunner on this match. Here comes a healthy Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, and they are automatically in the WrestleMania showcase match. Once again, I have not heard of Whoever wins this match is the number one contender or gets a title shot. I haven't heard that as a stipulation, so I'm still unsure what the prize is in this match. And if Ronda Rousey's better, why aren't they going? Why get rid of Trish Stratus? 
the other dinosaur and put them up against the other two dinosaurs for the titles so they can get the titles back. I mean, I, 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 I just don't get it. And then Gunther, he defeated Butch. But I will tell you one thing. Butch wrestled a heck of a match. Uh, even though it was a three-minute match, Butch wrestled his butt off in that match. I was actually impressed. And I didn't think Pete Dunne could impress me anymore. But he did. And he still gives Gunther a run for his money. Your thoughts on those two, sir? Yeah, I'm just, I'm not really invested in the fatal four-way women's tag match. I mean, I, I'm assuming that whoever wins is going to be in line for a women's tag team title shot. I agree with you, Kentucky guy. I wish they would just make that clear. Man, Lacey Evans, how far she's fallen. I mean, she at one point was actually challenging Becky Lynch for the Raw women's title, and now she's she can't even get a, get a win on SmackDown in a tag team match. It's really a shame because she's, Super talented and just has never pushed the way she should be. I am glad that Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler are involved in this tag team, Fatal 4-Way tag team match. Hopefully they're going to be the winners of that match because they certainly deserve to be. Um, you know, and then, <clears throat> excuse me. So I, mean, so, I mean, for the other match, I mean, it's just like... Gunther and Butch. I was happy to see, like you said, Butch and Pete Dunne put on a good showing against Gunther because obviously this could have been a quick squash for Gunther if they wanted to do that. But it shows you right there that Triple H has too much respect for Pete Dunne and all of his accomplishments up until this point. So I'm glad they at least let him look strong in defeat. Um, what did you think of the uh, segment that went on before that? Because I was watching what Drew McIntyre and Sheamus were saying to each other before Gunther came out. I'm kind of getting the sense that they could be dropping hints at a Drew McIntyre heel turn based on some of the things he said to Sheamus and the reaction Sheamus was getting from the crowd. The crowd seemed to be a lot more pro-Sheamus than pro-Drew McIntyre. Yeah, and they always should be. Uh, Drew McIntyre, he, is he, I mean, I thought he, is he not a heel? Is, is he is he babyface? I thought he, I thought he was a heel. I mean, I guess he's the equivalent to a tweener right now. Not really a heel, but not really yeah, a face. Yeah, because when he faced uh, Bobby Lashley for the world title all those times, he was a baby face. But once he joined with the Brawling Brutes, who were a heel faction, I thought he became a heel. I don't know. If you're, if you're asking me, do I see a turn like him getting more uh, in, in his cheating ways and in devious ways, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I see that. And I see Seamus. Uh, Seamus, they want she they want Seamus really bad. I'll, I'll tell you a secret. The back office in the WWE right now, they want Seamus to be the Intercontinental Champion only because he's never held that title. In his whole whole history, he's held every title except that one. And they really want it. The problem is they've got this guy called Gunther, who's the champion, and he's he's just they build him to be this unbeatable force, and he is. He's an amazing wrestler, younger than Sheamus, going to be around a lot longer than Sheamus, and they just don't know how to make it happen. Now, I can see Sheamus pinning Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania and winning that belt, which doesn't make Gunther look weak at all because he didn't get pinned to lose his title. 
I can really see that happening because, like I said, they want Sheamus to have this belt, not for a long time, just to have it so he can be that Grand Slam champion. Because, let's face it, Sheamus has done a lot for the company over the years, and he deserves it. But how do you do it when you don't want the champion to lose their belt, but you still want it to be on somebody else for a little bit? You have a three-way or four-way dance. So I look for Sheamus to come out out of, and this may surprise you, but I look for, because why would you have Sheamus and Gunther, what is this, like the fourth time? I mean, why, you know, what, what's the purpose? There's only one. Got to get that belt around Sheamus somehow. So that's my thought on that. Okay, so let's, uh, let's go over the next. What do you think about those comments I just made on that? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, and especially with Drew McIntyre saying to Sheamus, oh, you've never be uh, beaten Gunther, and I know I can beat Gunther. That, that, the part of me is like, and Gunther came up to Adam Pearce and said, tell me why I have to defend my title in a match where I don't have to be pinned to lose it. So that's almost like they're kind of hinting right there, well, who says you're going to be pinned? Uh, it might be Drew McIntyre who takes yeah, the pin. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. All right, next headline. Let's see. This is on me. Another match announced for WWE WrestleMania 39. WWE has announced the competitors for the men's showcase fatal four-way tag team match for WrestleMania. Oh, let's see if we've ever heard of this match before. I seen this the other day. Uh, the match will feature Braun Strowman with Ricochet. Verse, the Alpha Academy, <laughs> the Street Profits, and the Viking Raiders. So with that match being thrown in the mix, here's an updated WrestleMania card. Undisputed WWE Universal Championship, Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. SmackDown Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. Rawls Women's Championship, Bianca Belair versus Asuka. Intercontinental Championship, Gunner versus Drew and Sheamus. United States Championship on the line, Austin Theories versus John Cena. Hell in a Cell match, Edge versus Finn Balor. Brock Lesnar versus Omos. Trish, Lita, and Becky Lynch versus Damage Control. Seth versus Logan. Uh... The Mysterios face off one-on-one. -on -one. We also have the Usos versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. We have Women's uh, WrestleMania Showcase Final 4-Way. Uh, team match, Liv Morgan and Raquel versus uh, who we spoke about earlier, Shotzi and Natalya and uh, Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. And then we have the Men's Fatal 4-Way Tag that we just talked about. And that, so far, is your lineup. And I tell you what. That's a heck of a lineup. That's pretty good matches for this WrestleMania. I have to say, I'm not excited about the newest match added, the four-way tag team match, because we've seen it before. But uh, your thoughts on the card anyways, because that's a pretty good card. I think it's a good card. I think it could definitely be better. I'm still upset that the women's tag team titles are not being defended. I am happy that both the Intercontinental title and the U.S. titles are being defended. Um, so that so that's something. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the SmackDown women's title match a lot more than the Raw women's title match. 
just because of the buildup. I'm not saying they both can't be good matches on their own, but I really think this is going to be Rhea Ripley's crowning moment to get that win back from WrestleMania 36 against Charlotte Flair. At least I hope it is, because we've been disappointed before uh, in the end result of Charlotte Flair matches at WrestleMania. Um, obviously, I am super pumped about the main event. Um, Seth Rollins, I just hope I, I just hope beats Logan Paul. I mean, that's not my official pick just yet, but I hope that that, has, that happens. Um, I, I'm looking forward to the Hell in a Cell match, especially if we end up seeing the Demon. And I have a theory that even though he's probably not going to compete in a match, we probably will get a Bray Wyatt segment of some kind at WrestleMania. At least I hope we do. Could be totally wrong about that. And he might still be off television for a couple more weeks. But that's neither here nor yeah, there so right let's, now. Uh, let's talk about that for just a second. So, okay, Bray Wyatt, we understand he's injured. We, we get it. Here's the thing. What are you waiting on when it comes to pulling the trigger for Bobby Lashley? Who's he fighting? Is it LA Knight? I mean, the guy, the guy's fans, the guy's fans, let's put it that way, deserve better. They deserve to know who he's facing or if he will 100% be at WrestleMania. I mean, this, this is not, you know, this is not Austin Theory we're talking about. This is Bobby Lashley. So they need to put, they need to hammer that down and, uh, you know, figure out what's going on. All right, sir. So I will, uh, let's see, you've got one more headline, correct? All right. Correct. Triple H to bring back an ex-world champion for shock return next week. Triple H is reportedly bringing back Mick Foley to WWE TV next week, it has been claimed. Foley is one of the WWE Hall of Famers that is occasionally brought back for guest spots on shows and that's set to continue next week. The former WWE champion revealed on his podcast over the weekend that while he won't be at WrestleMania, he might be appearing on TV the night prior. On Friday night, I may be part of WWE programming, just putting it out there. Sunday, I won't be in attendance. I might watch it at the hotel. I might catch a flight. Next week in Los Angeles, WWE will put on both Friday Night SmackDown and the Hall of Fame ceremony at the Crypto.com Arena on Friday night. At the time of this writing, it's unclear whether or not Foley could appear on SmackDown or potentially at the Hall of Fame ceremony later on that night. If he's not on SmackDown, Foley, who was described as a true bad ASS by The Undertaker in a recent interview, could end up being one of the inductees for one of the legends going into the Hall of Fame this year. I mean, it's always a treat to see Mick Foley on television. Um, you know, the man's got that amazing connection with the crowd. I'm a little unsure exactly how he'd be used if he was brought out. I don't see him taking part in anything to do with Cody Rhodes or Roman Reigns or the bloodline. Um, I don't know, Kentucky guy. What are your thoughts? How would they use I, Mick I really don't know. I've seen on his podcast that he said he was contacted by somebody that he hadn't spoke to in years about possibly in, in, uh, inducting them into the Hall of Fame, and I still don't know who that is because we know the great Muda. That's going to be Ric Flair doing that. So <laughs> I, I really, this doesn't seem like the like the right lineup 
for him either way, whether it comes to matches or now Bray Wyatt was still uh, wrestling for sure against Bobby Lashley as maybe the fiend or something. Yeah, I could understand, but you know, I mean, I can't see him out there with the bloodline. I can't see him out there with uh, John Cena or Austin Theory's match or Seth Rollins and Logan Paul. And none of it makes any sense. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know, I'm with you. I don't know. I can't see where he fits in. All right, so I am out of headlines as well, but I would like to go over real quick Dynamite results. Uh, since we did go over Raw and SmackDown, I know we're running out of time. But there was a lot, to, there a lot going on on Dynamite this week as well. So the show started started outside in the parking lot where they said the Young Bucks were attacked before the show went on air. They were shown being put in an ambulance. Hangman Page climbed in the ambulance to go to the medical facility with them. Kenny Omega decided to stay because he had a match against El Hero Del something, uh, which he actually won the match. The thing about it is his manager act like he was hit by a chair by Hangman Adam Page and Omega and his manager, Don, started arguing with uh, Adam Page. So evidently, his manager does not want to see the elite fully back together. I think they're, they're grooming us because something of that nature is going to happen very, very soon. We also had the world tag team titles up for grabs. Top flight versus the current champions, the guns. Uh, the guns uh, did retain. After the match, FTR got in the ring. The guns said there is nothing they can offer. They could offer them to give them a shot at the AEW tag team titles. They turned down Cash Wheeler's offer of not challenging for the tag team titles again if they lost. The guns then turned down Cash's offer to split up if they lost to them. Dax Hardwood then said they will quit AEW if they lose to them. The guns accepted and actually spit in FTR's face and left the ring. So here's the thing. Surely to God, we know that their contract's up, FTR's contract's up with AEW, and they've been hitting around that they may be going elsewhere. Surely to God, surely to God, they're not going to let the guns be look like they ran them out and beat them in a match to run them out of AEW. I mean, come on. I, and, and if I was, uh, FTR, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go for that. What have you? I'm not saying that's what it is, but man, I would not stand for that one iota. Your thoughts so far on Dynamite? Well, Don Callis has always been a wolf in sheep's clothing, so I'm not shocked that he is trying to drive a wedge between Hangman Page and the rest of the elite. He doesn't want to see them get back together as one cohesive unit. Not shocked by that at all. Kenny Omega and El Hijo del, del Viking had a, had a great match. I watched some highlights from it. Um, El Hijo del Viking, del Viking, oh, he's he's young guy with a lot of upside and a lot of potential for the future. It, it wouldn't have made sense to have him beat Kenny Omega here because he's not under contract with AEW as I understand it. This was just a one-time showcase, but it was still a great treat for the fans. And th th this is what I'm talking about. AEW 
knows how to keep the fans happy, and even if it's just a one-off kind of thing here, they bring talents in that they say that they know are going to pop the crowd, and that's that's what I like. But that's what I love about AEW. Um, oh man, I know the rumors are going around that FTR could potentially go back to WWE. I'm sure that's a very real possibility. But if I was Tony Khan, I would throw a lot of money at those guys to at least get them to sign some sort of extension. Please, I'm tired of the gun club being the tag team champions. These guys are too young and too green. Uh, we need to get the belts back on FTR or somebody who's more a more reputable tag team in the very near future. I mean, do you, can't, I mean what do you think about my, my thoughts about them being the ones to put FTR out of AEW? Would that not, I mean, that wouldn't sit well with me, would it you? Not at all. Not at all. I would be yeah, very upset just, about it. Uh, I don't know. Tony Khan, you've made a lot of mistakes that we've overlooked. Don't make this one. Do not make this mistake. It just uh, just doesn't make any sense. Now, I will say there's a lot of rumors going around, and I'm sure you guys have heard them, about CM Punk, his Instagram post, and all this, and how his face was covered up with a piece of cardboard. If you go back and look at when they were going over the Young Bucks uh, being loaded into the ambulance, okay, I don't really think that's any type of tease of him coming back. And I know what you're hearing from these other sources. And the only thing that I can say is I can stand by what I was told personally. And that there's no way he can come back. So... Maybe, maybe, you know, things change every day, especially if Tony Khan feels that he's going to lose Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks anyways. You know, maybe, maybe things change because Tony Khan was not the one doing the driving when it comes to get rid of them. So that's the only thing I can, I can tell you guys. I can only tell you what, what I know what the status was and what it possibly, from what I told it wasn't going to change. And, you know, maybe it did. I, I don't know. But as of right now, I'm sticking to he's never coming back to AEW. Your thoughts? I'd agree with you there, Kentucky guy. Um, even if Punk himself wants to come back, it would be a mistake bringing him back. Because let, let's forget about uh, just, uh, you know, just upsetting Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. There's a lot more people behind the scenes at AEW that don't want to see him back on television or, or on their programming at all because of all the, all the things he stirred up in the press conference. Let's just pretend that all he ever did was the, was the press conference where he tore people in the, um, tore a new one, you know, for, for much of the locker room. You've still insulted people, other people that are employed by this company. So let's forget that the brawl happened, which, which made it 10 times worse, but just the things he said in the press conference, the fact that Tony Khan didn't shut that down, basically opened up a can of worms. And Tony Khan would be smart to just let his contract run out at this point yeah, and, and call it a day. And yes, in the Instagram post, I don't know if you had a chance to see it yet. Yes, he is saying, yes, CM Punk does want to come back. He does want to come back. Of course he wants to come back. Of course he wants to come back. Because guess what? If they were in a stupid, stupidity way, led him back in the company. But it looks like he was right all along. It looks like he was right. 
and everybody else was wrong. So, of course, he's going to put on Instagram, he's ready to go back to work at AEW. Of course. Doesn't surprise me one bit. Problem is, they're not going to have him back. They're not. The, uh, the pressure's been put on Tony Khan on all the right ways, I've heard. And they're not. Yeah, he's, it's just not going to happen. Anyway, sir, that's all I have for this episode. Do you have anything to add? No, that's all I have for this all episode. All right. Well, Kentucky folks, you've been guy. listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. With your host, Donnie Cage and the Kentucky Guy. Folks, as always, thank you so much for listening. God bless and God bless America. Don't forget, our next episode will be our WrestleMania predictions. WrestleMania 39, baby. It's coming. Have a great day, everyone.